Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining or tuning in online. Uh, my name is Brother Xavier Wilson, and I am happy and uh, looking forward to sharing the Word of God uh, with you tonight. Um, it's a great... Uh, the message that I want to share tonight really has been something God has been working on my heart for uh, a couple of months now, and as I uh, seek God for strength and encouragement. Um, I am pulling uh, some lessons that I believe God has been speaking close to my heart that I uh, want to share with you all, and I pray that it is a blessing uh, to you in Jesus' name. Can we uh, open up with a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, Almighty God, there is none like you. You alone are great. You alone are awesome. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for your presence in our lives. Thank you, God, for touching our hearts with your word. In this moment, God, as we spend the next uh, moments and time with you in your word, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will speak in a powerful and a mighty way. God, that you may encourage someone and those who are listening, those who are here, God, those who are tuning in online, God, that you will encourage them with your word, with your presence, with your love, with your power, God, that you will uplift tonight, God, today in this moment, God, even if they are listening to this and they may be driving, God, that you will lift up their spirits, Lord God, and set them on a high and exalted with you, God, in your presence. God, be exalted, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. We're going to talk about arise, arise, and what does it mean to arise and what are maybe a situation that you are facing or a trial or tribulation that you're in right now and you need a word you're asking God for a word of encouragement and the word that we that God I believe wants to share with you is to arise and we're going to look at uh, as the the foundational scripture for uh, this lesson Isaiah 60 starting in the first verse of Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord arises to shine on you. Darkness as night, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord, I want to say that again. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. We find this prophetic word in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, a prophet, proclaiming uh, a powerful word to Israel. And I believe this word is also applicable to us, both as children of God and as the body of Christ. To share some context of 
what is happening. Uh, he ends the previous chapter in 59, and Israel is in this state of affliction. It is not good. It is a, it, it is a time in which there is lots of darkness, and they are not together. They, in fact, they are not even uh, following God uh, closely and walking with God closely in this in this moment. Um, and it says in fifty nine, chapter fifty nine, in verse one, it says, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear dull, that it cannot hear, but your iniquities." It is what is going on in your life that has separated you between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It is what has been happening in this moment in, in the life of the Israelites that have caused them some separation between them and God. But God has a plan. And so we see then the darkness is so rampant that the enemy appears to be so uncontrollable that, and it is outlined is in, in the uh, ninth verse of chapter 59. It says, therefore justice is what far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, what do we see? Darkness. We hope for brightness, but what? We are walking in this state, we are walking in gloom. And then God himself is proclaiming that he has a plan for Israel. He is their deliverer. And he is setting into motion a plan to rescue them from this state of darkness, from this state of sin, from this state that they are in, spiraling down. He's rescuing them, not only from that, but also from their enemies that seem to be chasing them down. And we see that in verse 16 of the 59th chapter of Isaiah, where he says, He saw that there was no man, not one. And he wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. In verse 17 it says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. So we are hearing and seeing the prophecy of the Messiah coming for the children of Israel to be their deliverer, to deliver them from their sins, to deliver them from the persecution of their enemy. God is preparing this. He is preparing himself to come and flesh Jesus Christ to walk on the earth as the Messiah and intercede in their lives and he's preparing the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation to come and rescue his people. I'm jumping too far. And in verse 20, we see that God as the deliverer, he is setting in motion this. 
And he says in verse 20 of, 50, of chapter 59, he says, And a Redeemer will come to Zion to those in, in Jacob who turn uh, from their transgressions, declares the Lord. God has a plan. God has a plan. He does not want to see his children continue to suffer in the darkness that they have been walking in. And he has a plan to deliver them and bring them into light. Their Redeemer will come. Whatever situation you may be going through that may seem unbearable, that may seem that it is uh, unsurmountable, God has a plan of deliverance to bring you through that. As your Redeemer. And then he talks about God's covenant. In verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them. This is the Lord speaking, says the Lord. My spirit is upon you. And my words that I have put in your mouth, what shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offsprings or the mouth out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the backdrop. This is the backdrop just before we enter uh, chapter 60 and verse 1. Again, where it says, Arise, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine what on you. Darkness as black as the night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. PUSH. I don't know if you've heard of the acronym PUSH, which means, uh, or to some it means, pray until something happens. I was working on an event for work and I was very nervous about this particular event that I had been, we had been planning for several, several months. Uh, and it is the day of the event and I am pacing and I am, and I am praying, hope, you know, praying that God will intercede and this event will be successful. I was praying until something happened because that was a, a paradigm or, or, or that I had been taught. And there was a moment as I'm preparing for this event, just a couple of hours, where I clearly heard God speak to my heart to stop. He said, stop. I have heard your prayers. Now I need you to believe that I've heard your prayers and to go forward. In other words, he was telling me to arise, to get up, and to walk in the promises and the favor that God had provided for me and in my role and believe that this event would be successful. 
to arise. To stop. And sometimes, praying until something happens is the right frame. But we also have to be discerning to know when is God telling us to stop and arise. Or to stop and to move on. I want to take you to a story of a moment in the life of Hannah. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. And just to share a little context here, Hannah is the mother of Samuel, and there is a miraculous birth that is about to occur. And Samuel will be uh, both a prophet and a judge, one of the uh, last judges, in fact, uh, for, the for the children of Israel. And Hannah considered and knew God intimately. And we find that her family had been going to the place of worship. And here we pick up in the ninth verse a prayer and an inner counter that Hannah had with God. And it says, after they had eaten, it is talking about their family, her husband and their family, and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed. She was praying to the Lord. She was uh, wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved. And her voice was not heard. But therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman in troubled spirit. I have, dr I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. She has been there pouring out her heart before the Lord. Do not, goes on to say in verse 16, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And the Lord God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. 
And then the woman went her way and ate, and she, her face was no longer sad. They rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And it goes on to say, And Elkanai, her husband, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. In this moment, the Lord remembered her, and in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked of him, I have asked for him from the Lord. You see, here is the situation where Hannah was in such desperation. She was mistreated by her husband's other wife. And while he had favor upon her and he gave her a double portion, she could not conceive. She was barren. And she brought her situation to God and she poured out her heart until she emptied her heart completely before God. And it was in that moment of emptying her heart completely before God she was able to arise. It was in that moment she was able to get up. And in verse 18 it says, Her face was what? It was no longer sad. And, she, and they rose early in the morning and they worshipped God. They worshipped before the Lord. Arise and let your light shine. Arise and let your light shine. I have a, a friend of mine that uh, she came and worked in the building where I worked on campus. And it was amazing because when she, when she came to campus, she brought with her a light that lit up the building in such a way that people embraced her with love, even having not known her for this long period of time. And it was such a contrast to the person that was in the role before her because no one had such a connection or interaction. In fact, it, uh, may, I may even say it, was, it seemed dark. But there was something about this particular person that when she started working in this office. She was moved from one office to another and she started working in this building. There was joy that was around her. There was inspiration that was around her. People engaged, people that you wouldn't think were uh, open to being hugged, uh, were hugged her and she got to know people intimately and people enjoyed seeing the smile on her face because it brought them joy and when she walked into a room the the the, the, the uh, atmosphere completely changed and it was in my conversation and getting to know her I learned about her faith in God and how she trusted God and how God had walked with her in her own life and delivered her and healed her of a sickness and disease that she had been facing for several, uh, for a period of time and the closeness that she had. But 
As she walked through that experience and she developed a relationship with God, she was able to bring such light into an area, into a conversation when she uh, communicated with you. It was fascinating. And then she went on to retire. And you can tell that that light is gone in a way. Because by her presence, right? The presence of God living in her, the spirit of God that she brought to her work environment every day has been missing because her presence is, hasn't been there. As we talk about arising, it is a command where God is telling us to stop and to get up from the position that we have been in, where we have been laying down, and to stand up and to arise empowered by the Spirit of God, empowered by the presence of, of God, with the glory of God resting on us. And when we do that, others will see it. Others will be impacted by Christ living on the inside of us and us allowing God to shine in our lives. Does that make sense? Let your light shine. We're going to advance here. Will you advance for me? Thank you, brother. Arise. Arise means to stand up. The definition of arise means to get up, to stand up, to come to fruition, to endure, to belong, to stay fixed, to rise up. But here, the very definition of arise mean, means that you are down in the slumps. It means you are down in this place of, of, of trouble and, and, and you need to, you are so uh, um, uh, troubled and heavy. It is not a sort of casual, I'm sitting and I am relaxed. It is coming from a place of actually being in full submission and being heavy. And it is a command to get up from that place of heaviness. To stand up and to come to fruition to the place where you belong. The R in arise means representing the kingdom of God. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4 and verse 6. And this is the, uh, the Passion Translation. And it says, For God who said, Let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who cascaded his light, what? Into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God. As we gaze, where? into the face of Jesus. It is about the brilliant light shining in the midst of darkness as we focus on Christ. 
as we spend time, as we are diving into the presence of God, it was there where Hannah poured out her heart before God. And God's glory shined upon her. And she became pregnant with the prophet Samuel. It goes on to say in 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 4 and verse 7, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure with us, within us so that his, his, this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. It is in total submission to God. It is exalting God. It is proclaiming him as Lord. And Savior of your situation, we have this glorious treasure. Isn't that amazing that God would think of us in such a way, so special, that He places within us His Spirit, His glory upon us, this immeasurable power, and others will see that it is not our own strength, but it is only because of God working in our lives, working in our, in our situations, that things are changing. We also see in Ephesians, in the fifth chapter, starting at verse 8, For once you were, what, full of darkness, but now, now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of, of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And verse 14. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up. There it is again. Rise up from the dead. And Christ will give you what? Light. It is His light shining in our lives that others may see and recognize that it is Christ. It is us walking into situations of darkness and pointing to Jesus Christ as a Redeemer, as a Savior, as a Healer, so that others may know. But we have to allow God's light to shine in our lives. And in verse 16, it says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That seems even more applicable today, in today's world. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life, but instead be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it helps us. It guides us. It helps us to understand what God is seeking us to do, to do in our lives. It empowers us. It guides us. It gives us greater revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Be filled. I encourage you today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
the eye and arise illuminates his presence. It points back to Jesus Christ. And we define shining and illumination as dawn, as becoming light, as shining, as illuminating, as igniting. We need to share the light of Christ to those who are hurting around us. And even in our own situations that may seem heavy, God has a covenant and a promise that His light will shine on you and that His Holy Spirit will fill you to empower you and to strengthen you so that you may get up from that place of despair and be able to stand and to walk with God as your victorious as your waymaker, as your healer, as your deliverer, with its light illuminating, is shining in our spirits, in our hearts, breaking off the spirit of despair, breaking off the chains of heaviness. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 3, starting at verse 8 and verse 12, Again, the Passion Translation, yet how much more radiant, it says, how much more is this new and glorious ministry of what? Of the Spirit that where He shines from us. So then with this amazing hope living in us, we can step up, we can stand up in freedom and in boldness to speak the truth. We can know God and his word, where God is revealing himself to us in a personal and a true way, giving us freedom, giving us encouragement, giving us boldness as the ministry of the Spirit of God is at work in our very lives. And we arise, we arise, the S in arise is speaking in faith. Speaking in faith. We see that in 2 Corinthians and the fourth chapter, starting at verse 13. It says, we, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures. Uh, uh, they're talking about, Paul is talking about, when it says, first I believed, and then I spoke in faith. So we also first believed, then we speak in faith. And we do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him and together we will all be brought into his presence. And in verse 15 it says, Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people resulting in, in, in an even greater increase of praise to God bringing Him even more glory. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives brings greater glory to God. Others will, can see God working in our lives, God working in our hearts, and transforming our situation, and it brings Him glory. This is all to bring God glory. 
and to praise him. When Hannah got up, she was able to praise God. As she poured her heart before him, as she completely emptied herself, and all the sadness was gone. Eli's eyes were opened because of her faith. Eli's eyes were opened because of her persistence, pouring her heart out and seeking God. Initially, he was like, what is going on with you? Stop drinking. And here she is, in heavy pursuit, crawling in the midst of her adversity, in this place that seemed insurmountable, and she's pouring her heart out to God. And God hears her prayer. And she names her son Samuel, which means God heard me. I am here to tell you that God is hearing your cries, your prayers, your pouring out. And he's asking you to come closer, come closer so that he may strengthen you and the situation that you are walking through. Sometimes we have to speak. We need to encourage ourselves with the word of God. Sometimes we may not feel this way, but we go to God's word and we confess it in our lives to stir our hearts to pursue God. My wife has, she has scriptures that are, that hang in, in the bathroom in front of the mirror and those and others that are inside the shower that are encased in, um, in a, a Ziploc bag so it's safe, but it is Scriptures that she is able to go to, to remind herself and to speak the word of God. And there are times we have to remind ourselves and we have to speak the word of God and say, I am called in Christ according to Romans 1 and 6. We have to encourage ourselves and say, I am sanctified in Christ according to the word of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. I am a new creature in Christ according to the word in 2 Corinthians. 5 and 17. When it feels like I can't do what I can do, I am reminding myself I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it says it in the word of God in Philippians 4 and 13. When it seems like fear is knocking on my door, I say I will not live in fear because it is written in the word of God in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. When I am feeling unworthy, I confess Ephesians 1 and 7. It says, I am loved by God unconditionally. When I feel like I am fighting and the enemy is in every step and he's ahead of me and I, I'm falling, I declare the word of God when it says Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper in every tongue that rises against me in judgment. I condemn. I encourage myself and say, I take the shield of faith and I quench every fiery dart of the enemy in the name of Jesus, as it is written according to Ephesians 6 and 16. When I feel that I need encouragement from God, I go to his word 
And I declare Psalms 23 that he anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. A principle that I've learned for myself is sometimes when I'm feeling in despair, I have named my feet glory, hallelujah. And I take one step and I praise God, glory. And I take the next step and I praise God and I say hallelujah. Despite what the situation may seem, despite how the troubles may seem overwhelming, I take a moment and I take one step at a time. I choose to arise out of the pit of despair and I say glory, hallelujah, one step at a time. Arise, and the E in arise having an eternal focus. And we see this in 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter, and the 18th verse in the New Living Translation. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we, what? we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Our focus is on eternity. Sometimes it's hard when your trial or the situation you may be facing seems to be crowding you like a dark cloud. We remind ourselves to look from an eternal perspective. In other words, to look at it from God's perspective. I also want to look at the example of Jeremiah as we talk about arising. It is a moment in the life of Jeremiah. And in this particular moment, we find that uh, Jeremiah has a death sentence for him against his life. And he is will be imprisoned and thrown into a pit, thrown into a cistern to die. And there we find him, but God has a plan to deliver him. And we pick it up in Jeremiah in the 38th chapter. We'll pick a couple of verses to sort of highlight this, this story starting at verse 6. As, I'm sorry, starting at verse 4. It says, then the officials said to the king, let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. He, he was declaring and prophesying that they were, they were going to be overtaken, that the enemy was coming and the enemy was going to uh, uh, take siege of the city. And the people were like, we are tired of hearing this prophet Jeremiah. He is discouraging the people. Throw him in the cistern. 
And so in, in verse 5 it says, King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. And then in verse 6 it says, So they took Jeremiah, and what did they do? They cast him into the cistern of Melchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by the ropes. It was there in the cistern. There was no water, only mud. And Jeremiah sank into the mud. He is in the lowest lowest place in his life. Being obedient to God, declaring the word of God, warning them, turn back from your sin, seek the heart of God, and in this moment he finds himself in the cistern, left to die. And then in verse 11 it says, Nebuchadnezzar uh, doesn't, uh, I'm going to mess that up. The king of Babylon gave command concerning Jeremiah through Nebuzadan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him, look after him well, and do him no harm, but deal with him as he tells you. So he is in this place, and the captain of the guard uh, is a part of this we see all of the, the chief officers of the king of Babylon. And then we go to verse 14 in chapter 39. And they sent and they took Jeremiah from the court of the guard. And then they entrusted him to Gedaliah, the son of Iakam, son of Zephan, that he should take him home. And so he lived among the people. God had a plan to rise Jeremiah up from the pit in his lowliest moment. And he sent them to get him out, to save him, and then allowed him to go home and live among the people. And then in chapter 40, verse 1, it says, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after... Uh, this king, the captain of the guard, I'm sorry, the captain of the guard had let him go from Raham. Then he took him bound in chains along with all the captors of Jerusalem and Judea who were being exiled to Babylon. So the takeover had happened just as Jeremiah had prophesied and the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God pronounced this disaster against this place. And then verse 3, the Lord brought it about and has done it as he had said, because we have sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you. Now behold, I release you today from the chains on your hands. Jeremiah is experiencing deliverance. Jeremiah is able to arise from his situation and be released because God is a deliverer. God is the restorer. God had a plan and has a plan for your life.
It is when the glory of the Lord comes upon us, is in our hearts, we are able to experience His presence in a special way. God desires us to experience His presence. He is calling us to arise and experience His love. He is calling us to arise and experience His victory. Arising and experiencing God's victory. I pray that God will encourage you to arise from whatever situation you may be experiencing that seems insurmountable to you or that has been causing despair, that has been causing frustration. I believe the living God is hearing and has heard your prayer and he is in covenant with you to lift you up and to set you firm in his hands, in his arms, bringing deliverance, bringing restoration, bringing healing, bringing hope. And he wants his glory to shine in your hearts by the power of his spirit living in you. In the name of Jesus. We pray you are blessed. In Jesus' name.